We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nechami, founder of Carmela Cosmetics, a company that produces high-performance natural beauty products and is dedicated to uniting and empowering women through the power of color. This is We Are Women, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast came about as a way to give a voice to all women because we all have stories to share. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of bread and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night, and we are women. Malky Weingarten joins me tonight to discuss how she got into the filmmaking business and began creating, directing, and acting in movies. So Malky is an Orthodox Jewish woman who had a dream to create movies and worked hard against naysayers and resistance to fulfill her dream. Malky shared with me why she's passionate about spreading important messages, removing common stereotypes, and how raising a child with autism inspired her first film. Listen in and be inspired. So I think I was really carefree and chilled out in school. I didn't really care too much. You know, I, I was just very easygoing. I was that type of, that type of a kid. I took, I took, I took school very easily. Like if it worked, it worked. If it didn't, it didn't, I didn't really care. I always was interested as, as I got older, I was interested. I, I started singing, then I, then I moved on to dance, then I moved on to acting. And then at a certain point I moved on to painting. So um, I would say when, when I hit high school is when I actively started pursuing different arts. Um, but up until high school, I was just, I don't know, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Just basically I was easygoing. I was just very easygoing. I was not intense. I was not, um, I had lots of friends. People liked me because I was chilled out and fun. Um, I was very uncomplicated. Um, just trying to, you know, remember me as a kid. I have very good memories of being a kid. I, uh, I don't have, you know, I don't have um, memories of, you know, anything negative, which I think it contributes or explains my personality type, which was very chilled out. Cause I know this cause I see my kids. Some of them are stressed out about different things that stress them out. I, I was chilled with everything. Yeah. I, I could see that. I feel like you're probably still like that. I am. I am still like that. Some things stress me out. Um, very few, but I, I, I get anxious about very, very small, minute amount of things. Um, mostly, uh, I am chilled out. I can definitely say. Yeah. So, where did you pursue the arts? Because you were saying that when you were in high school, you started doing acting and singing. Right. So, of course, it started out mostly in school and whatever school, whatever opportunity school gave me. Um, I remember when I got out of high school was when I found a friend who who I begged to teach me guitar and she gave me some basics and then that was it from there I took off and I kind of taught myself. Um, In school, it was just what school had to offer basically. Whenever we had color war, I was always, you know, being one called up to do acting or dancing or whatever. When there was a school production, I was, you know, told to to take care of this or, you know. Um, After school was when I started 
going to actually do some training. Like I wanted to learn how to dance correctly. I want, so I, I found an instructor to give me um, classes to teach me the right way to do things. Wow. Okay. So I had you on today to talk about breaking stereotypes, right? That's something that you work hard to do through, and we'll talk about this in a minute, through your movies that you create, direct, produce in the community. So let's start with talking about how you use your filmmaking to break stereotypes and how you started doing that. What inspired you to create movies? Okay, fantastic. So I started out doing comedy on stage um, with my sisters. We were called to do uh, little skits for parties or events. People would hire us to get us on stage. And we did that for quite a number of years, I would say for sure, 10, 10 to 15 years we were doing, my sisters and I together, we were doing performances on stage um, for the um, community where people would, you know, um, hire us to do something. Usually it was comical. It was usually funny. Um, at a certain point, it got really tough to create the set on stage. So we said, you know what, why don't we put a screen on stage? Let's record ourselves in a kitchen and then put a screen on stage. And for this part of the skit where we're supposed to be in a kitchen, instead of creating a whole set on stage, we'll just, we'll just screen that part where we're in a kitchen. Let's film it in advance. So we did that. Then we are like, wait a second, why don't we just film the whole thing? in a kitchen, in a dining room, in a bedroom, wherever we need to be, and put that on stage. So we started doing that. Um, then, but before that even, what we started doing was we were recording ourselves, we were filming ourselves while we were on stage, turning it onto a into a video so that we can then rent it out to people. So if people asked us if we can do a performance for them and it was expensive, we said, well, we have an option for you that's cheaper. We did, some, we, did, we did a few productions on stage already that we filmed. If you'd like to, you can rent that and just show it on a screen instead of having us come and be live. So, um, you know, while doing all this, we, we realized that, wait a second, why don't we just do a movie, you know? Um, so I started writing a script and I wrote the script for my first one, which I was told is probably not good enough to be a movie. It's nice and it's sweet, but it's not exciting enough and it's not suspenseful enough and a bunch of naysayers. And I said, no, I disagree with you guys. I think it is going to be a great movie. So I went ahead and I did it anyway. And it was successful. And I did another one. I did a sequel. And that's how, and that's how it took off. Well, I love, first of all, I love that you didn't listen to other people and you just like followed like what you followed your heart, I guess, in other words, and you did what you thought was best and it was successful. That's a good story. <laughs> I believe that if you, if, if somebody has, and I tell this to people all the time, if they have a dream and they believe very strongly in something and they believe strongly it will be successful, they'll never forgive themselves if they don't go for it. Because people may say, no, this, no, that, you know, um, you know, it's, it's a risk or in my money involved, et cetera. So I just decided I'm going for it. I don't care if, if it's expensive, you know, 
Um, and there were things in my life that I've taken risks that I lost money on and some things that I made money on. It's not um, I just that I know that I would never have have been have forgiven myself if I wouldn't have gone for what I thought was going to be good. For sure. Yeah. Did you have like a good support system, even though you had naysayers, were there people who stood by you and supported you? So mostly not. With my first movie, I had almost nobody that was that was supporting me. I had very few people that thought that this was a good idea. It was new. Nobody was doing movies in our community. Um, it was going to be a lot of money. Um, everybody was just afraid for me that I was going to lose money and they were just feeling bad for me that it wasn't smart that I should be doing this. And so my family, my friends, everybody were saying, my husband, I told him that I had someone that was sponsoring it because if he would have known that I was putting up the money myself, he would have killed me and he would have told me that I shouldn't do it. So he didn't know that I didn't really have a sponsor because originally I did think I had someone that wants to sponsor it, but this person couldn't come through at the end. At that point, the ball was already, already rolling. I already hired someone to do the filming. filming. We, I, I already had like hired a whole crew. I got the actresses. We were just like on a roll and I knew I couldn't stop now. So I started borrowing money right and left, trying to get sponsors. Um, I just, I, I, I wasn't giving up. It was, it was tough, but I, I went for it. Wow. That's incredible. And I'm glad that you were successful. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for your first movie, was that more of, did, did you have a vision of something that you wanted to convey or was it just like you kind of were taking what you had performed, like your performances and putting them into a movie? So no, my first movie was a script that I had written about a girl that has Asperger's in the community and how the community takes to her. Um, so yeah, I did have a message. My message was um, children with Asperger's are humans and they have feelings and um, to give everybody a view of what it's like to be in the head and in the heart and in the mind of a girl that has Asperger's or special needs. Um, and I felt like the community need, it was the community needed to watch something like this um, because as much as we've come a long way in terms of stigma, um, you know, regarding kids with special needs, we still have a have a way to go. I feel like since my movie came out, I've I've gotten lots and lots of feedback from people all over saying that. Your movie, you know, changed the way I view kids with special needs. Um, mothers have told me that their kids came home to say, you know, Ma, there's a kid in my class who is just like that girl on, on the movie, Molly. Um, and now I know how she feels. So now I know how to be nice to her. Things like that. I get feedback like that all the time. So, yeah, it wasn't just a bunch of, you know, bits and pieces put together. It was a script that I had written intentionally with the intention, turning into turning it into a movie and having and and having it move people to change or you know change their views. Yes, it definitely it definitely did. I actually watched that movie, Molly. I think they were showing it at my school or something. It must have been years ago because I think it had recently come out. So yeah, that was the first Molly came out about seven or eight years ago. Um, how? Molly won 
Because there's Molly one, there's Molly two, and there's Molly three. There's three Mollies. Oh, wow. Okay. I th- it must have been Molly one right after seminary. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was so great. And you did such a phenomenal job of putting the audience into Molly's shoes and feeling the way she felt. Incredible. Thank you. Yeah. So could you tell me about your inspiration for that movie? Mm -hmm. Sure. So I have a child that's on the spectrum. um, And I felt that he was misunderstood. It would hurt me the way people would treat him. So um, when people say that the movie felt so real, it felt so realistic. uh, I, I say that, well, it wasn't too hard for it to be realistic because the script was um, written, you know, <laughs> as realistically as it could be written by a mother who who has a child that's on the spectrum. That's so touching on so many levels because, I mean, the fact that you, it's almost like you were, like you're the spokesperson for all these children and adults on the spectrum, you're, you know what I mean? And that's so powerful that you brought it out to the public. Thank you. Well, I hope, I hope that it, it made a difference. I'm sure it did. Yeah. I told it that it did. That must be like so meaningful to you when you get like that feedback. Yeah. It's the feedback that keeps me going. Um, Filmmaking in our community isn't so money-making. My husband (laughs) likes my husband likes to say I have a non-profit organization <laughs> he's oh he says things like well look I gotta I gotta go to work because I'm actually making a living in this house you're playing around with your non-profit organization so really it's not so money making like sometimes I'll cover my costs sometimes I'll even make a, a little bit of money but it's like a joke in in, in comparison to the effort and the time that goes into it um, so that's my feedback. That is my payback. When people, when people give me that feedback, that's what makes the difference for me. It's, it's, it's my payment. Right. For sure. No, that makes total sense because that's the way we need something like it's an energy exchange. You know what I mean? Like you put something out, you need something in order to continue. Absolutely. I'm very interested in this. Just came to me. The girl who played Molly, how was that in terms of like training her to put like to put on the feelings and the the acting in in regards to acting like a child with Asperger's? So my actress is is brilliant. She's an unbelievable actress. Um, People have stopped her and asked her when they met her on the street. Oh, my gosh, you don't have Asperger's. What do you mean? They were blown away that she, you know, didn't have special needs. That's how well she acted. Um, So for starters, she's just an unbelievable actress. Also, I gave her the basic idea of what somebody with Asperger's would have, and I told her she should choose. Basically, I gave her a list of different characteristics, like, um, you know, the not making eye contact, the swaying back and forth sometimes, the... Uh, little hand movements, um, you know, et cetera. There's a list of things that I gave her and I said, you choose them. And whatever you choose to incorporate in your character, I want you to remember to keep it constant, uh, not change it. 
let me see if you can do that. And she did it and she did it so, so well. And once she developed her character and once she decided who her character was going to look like, what her character was going to look like and which characteristics of the spectrum she chose to use, she kept it beautifully. That's how I did it. Wow. That's incredible because it's not just like regular acting. It's putting your, it's, it's a whole different league, this sort of thing, you know? Yeah, she's amazing. How did you learn how to direct and write scripts and stuff? Was it just something you picked up on or? So I did two movies before I decided, you know what, let me take some filmmaking courses. And I started taking some filmmaking courses. Um, I took a filmmaking course at New York Film Academy in Manhattan. I took another filmmaking course at SVA School of Visual Arts. Um, I picked up some things there. Uh, cause the way I was doing it was just my way. I had no, I had no, no training at all. I just launched into it and decided that this is probably how I would make a movie. And I just went for it. There were a lot of things that I still do. There are a lot of things today that I still do that are so strange that are not your typical at all. Like I write my scripts with a pen and paper. I don't even type them out. I have, you know, I have. I have just different ways of just different ways of doing everything. It works for me, you know. It was cool to learn the professional way to do it when I went to school, but I didn't I didn't um I didn't adapt everything that I learned at the course as my own if I didn't feel like it was better than the way I was doing it. So just because this is how the professionals say it needs to be done if if the other way was working for me just fine and I liked that way better, I just, I just do it. People that come on my set that, you know, are professionals, they, they just crack up at the way I do things and they're blown away that it works and it, and it happens. That's great. That's great. So how did you cultivate like a team to work with you? Cause this is very unique to do in our community. So I guess with each time, you know, first of all, I have my sisters, I have my family, and I had some friends that I had worked with. And as I as I continue to do my movies, I, I pick up people along the way who are just great to work with. And once I've worked with them and they're and I'm comfortable working with them and they like to work with me, if they want to stick around, they could be around forever. I've had people that I worked with that had to leave for different reasons. They moved away, they and they, they couldn't work with me anymore. I'm talking about people, technical people that were helping me on set or actresses or whatever. Um, but the ones who stick around, the ones that I that, that we get along nicely with and the ones who are great to work with uh, and they stick around, they've been with me from movie one. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so when you first started, and by the way, even, even to this day, making movies in the religious community that we come from is very unique and it's not, it's very unusual. There are a lot of people who are not so familiar with our community and they, 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 they have this belief that women's sole purpose in life and in our community is to be wives and mothers, but they don't really see the other side, which is there's a lot of creativity, entrepreneurs, business owners, and people like you who are creating art for our community, you know? So Let's talk about that. Sure. Um, yeah, I, 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 
you know, I sometimes think about that, um, that the world at large has uh, a different, you know, picture of what our community is like than what it really is like. Specifically in regards to the women, they feel like the women are, you know, are, you know, subservient. They, they, they can't do what they want to do. They're not allowed to do so many things. They have to, you know, just be, um, you know, wives and mothers and they can't have careers and they can't use their talent. And, and it's so not true. Um, people that come into our community see it, but if, they, if you don't come into the community, the picture that's painted of us is, is very different than what it really is. So I'm happy to speak to anybody that will listen and to tell them that our community has so much talent. We have so many talented women that, you know what, even with their large families, even with their seven, eight, nine kids or whatever it is, they're running businesses from home. They're um, using their talents. They're giving lessons. Uh, you know, they're giving the music lessons. They're um, joining um, acting groups. They're, um, you know, whether it's for money or whether it's just for sport, our women are using their talents um, for, you know, I, I don't know, I can go on and on and on. I, I know so many women around me, you know, in the Hasidic community also, there are so many women who are um, doing fantastic things outside of their families, alongside, together with their families. And it's beautiful to see and it's beautiful to watch. So I'm happy to dispel any um, stereotype image that people have of the Hasidic women in our community. Right, for sure. So besides for Molly, which you were trying to convey the message of how autistic children and adults feel, what other stereotypes do you work on breaking? Okay, so um, I don't have a specific thing of specific stereotypes that I'm working to break. It just happens to be that when I'm ready to write my next script, I get inspired by something that's going on around me. Um, and it just happens to be that I'm on stereotype number two right now. It wasn't something that I aimed to do. I didn't, when I was wanted to make movies, say, say that I want to break stereotypes. It just happened. Happen. It just happened. So after I was done doing my Molly's, I did one more movie that was not Molly. It's called Misty's Angels, um, which was just a nice story. Nothing about stereotypes. It was just nice. Um, and then um, I thought of an idea that I just... Um, filmed. We just finished filming it. I called the movie Hush Hush. Um, and it's about mental illness in our community. There were some people around me that I felt that, that, that I, that I watched that were suffering, that they were going through different, um, you know, mental health issues. And I felt that they couldn't speak about it to anybody. It had to be a big secret. Um, and I was inspired to do something about that. And so I wrote a, a movie about that and it's um, hopefully going to be ready for about Passover time. We're working on it now. We're, we're in the editing editing phase right now. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. I think I saw it on some people's Instagram, like behind the scenes. Yes. 
Yeah, it's so it's so true. It's so important to stereotypes are such an f- interesting concept because, like, to an extent, there's a partial truth to them sometimes. You know what I mean? Like that's why they became a stereotype. Of course, there totally is, and um, stereotypes is not is not uh, you know different. It's not something new to our community. Stereotypes happen all over the world, and it's a human thing to do. Humans stereotype period. You can say you don't, you can say you don't judge. You can say you don't, you don't stereotype. You do, you do. Everybody does. Every single person does. And that's because that's how we do it in our head so that we can better understand how things work and understand how people are and put people into categories. We just put them into stereotypes. So it can be a stereotype that's not negative, but it's nonetheless a stereotype. So not necessarily because you stereotype are you negative and thinking negatively about anybody, but stereotyping is something that humans do. Right. That's true. Okay. So I want to talk just a little bit about, um, I want to hear some advice. I think it would be very beneficial for our listeners to hear from you uh, to do a personal experience with a child with autism. Do you have any advice for people in general, young kids, teenagers, adults, and how to approach or speak with people with other people who are on the spectrum. Do you have any advice to help children get comfortable with other children who are on the spectrum? Because sometimes they're not exposed and it's very important for them to, to get that exposure, you know? Right. Um, well, I think it, it, a lot of it starts from the parents, right? If they see the parents are uncomfortable talking to a child that's on the spectrum um, or that's a little bit different, um, you know, the parents make comments of like, oh, that kid isn't well or whatever, like, and they don't know how to handle it. The kid will automatically pick that up and have a hard time, have a hard time with it. The kids who see their parents are like, oh, Oh, he's he's cute. He's fine. He's just a little different or he's whatever. And, and they see the parents speaking to the child and whatever, they will automatically be the same way. It's like that. It's like that. We just are like, we we're, we're just like that. So that's, first of all, if you want your child to be able to speak comfortably with children of all different types, shapes and sizes, and all different wavelengths, et cetera, then you yourself need to train yourself first to do it. Um, and do whatever you got to do. And if you're sometimes uncomfortable around kids that have special needs and you don't know how to handle it, train yourself to not be. Teach yourself to speak to them. Um, teach yourself to be comfortable around them. When you're comfortable around them, your kids will pick that up and your kids will be comfortable too. Um, it's very simple. Our kids pick up what we say to them. You know, I know mothers who say things like, oh my God, that kid is, you know, totally not well. They say it like with such a hor- like a horror on their face of, you know, or what the kids pick that up and then they, and then they see a kid that isn't well and they're mortified to even go near them because the last time they heard mention of a kid that has special needs was from the parent who said, you know, who said things like that. So I feel like it has a lot to do with the parents. That's one. That's A. 
he um it helps for them to see movies like my movie which basically explains to them what it's like to be a kid with special needs and what it's like to want so badly to try and fit in and and it's hard because people won't accept you and people won't open up open open themselves up to you seeing that automatically makes them feel for a child with special needs and you know helps them um i think that in terms of teenagers there are different organizations where you can volunteer and work with kids with special needs that is such a wholesome and healthy way for our teenagers to grow up by volunteering their time to help kids like this these kids turn out to be the best kids in the world i have some of my teenagers who do this who they they volunteer and my heart sings when i when when i watch them with these kids they they're like you know hugging and kissing this kid who's who's you know dirty because because she didn't you know she didn't clean herself well after she ate and who needs to be changed or you know or different things and and my kid is able to love them and hug them and i'm looking at this kid and i'm saying oh my god i am so blown away by what she's able to do and so um i don't know if that answered your question but yeah. yeah, definitely did. It definitely did. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of, like, as you said, um, a lot of it has to do with the parents and then also exposing them. That's a great idea about like watching movies that, you know, have to do with, with children with special needs. And then also um, reading them books and stuff that that's a great going along the same lines as, as watching stuff, you know? Um, yeah. It's a really good idea. Do you have any advice by the way, for other moms um, who have children with autism? So I have so much advice and there's so many things that I can say, but I'm just going to say one thing. Um, if your child is doing repetitive things and is obsessed with a certain topic, when my kid was growing up and he would um, be obsessed with a certain topic, I was told by the professionals that I shouldn't allow it and I shouldn't feed into it. And something told me that that wasn't right. It didn't feel right because if the kid wants information about something big deal so let them be busy with it or whatever um but they kept saying no don't allow it don't allow it so i i was torn between um what am i supposed to do they're saying that it's not healthy for them to be so obsessed about something but on the other hand I, i'm like you know as adults we do that sometimes to a, to to an extent you know Right. We decide, we decide we like guitar. We'll stop getting busy with everything about guitar. Wherever we see guitars, we'll be obsessed with guitars. We we're gonna want to look at guitars, feel guitars, play guitars, talk to anyone who plays guitar. Um, so it's not to such an extreme, but we do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So something about it didn't feel right. And then I read something somewhere that said that I don't know if it was Einstein or Thomas Edison. I don't remember who it was that was on the spectrum. Also, they say that They're he both. had. Yeah, both of them were on the spectrum. I think so, as far as I know. And um, they got to what they got to because of their obsession with one topic. They obsessed about it so much and they were so into it that they were able to develop what they were able to develop and they were able to come up with what they did, which has changed the world today. So after I heard that, I was like, you know what? 
that makes sense to me. I'm going to go for my gut. So what I want to say to parents is if your kid is obsessing about maps, you buy them every single map book in the world and you feed them maps. If your kid is obsessing about swimming pools, like my son was, he wanted to know about swimming pools, which swimming pool is deeper, which one is not, how they make the swimming pools, what they're made out of. He was busy with swimming pools. I started talking to him about swimming pools. And so we analyzed swimming pools and we researched swimming pools. To, and eventually he grew out of the swimming pools. He's on to different things. He's on to music. He's on to, you know, but I have learned that why not let him be so good at whatever it is that he's obsessing about that that makes him feel good about himself, that he knows this information. So if anybody asks you know, people will then come over to him and say, oh, you know all about music or you know all about cars. Can you tell me what's whatever? And they feel so good about themselves that they know something that they can help with. So whatever your kid can do, whatever your kid is good at, whatever your kid wants to be good at, feed it to them. Let them become brilliant at it. Don't stop them. Don't try to, don't try to fight it. Yeah, I love that. And I also love that you're, that, that, that you constantly go with your gut um, as a mother, obviously, and also as like making movies because people were telling you not to, and then you just went ahead and did it anyway because you knew that was what, what, you're, what you wanted to do, you know? Yeah, I am a big um, believer in going with your gut. My, guts, my gut has usually not steered me wrong. And even if it did, then it was just me. I can't blame it on anybody but myself. And so it's okay. It's not, it's not, it's not hard for me. I don't, I don't get hard on myself if I was ever wrong. Right. Right. So do you have any advice for women or girls who want to go into movie making? So, um, if you want to do it to make a living, don't do it. If you want to do it as a sport, as a hobby or something that you're passionate about, go for it. Um, if you also need it to support yourself, not a good idea, period. No matter what world you're in, it's risky. It's, um, it'll sometimes make money or not make money, whether you're doing it in the, in the Jewish community or whether you're doing it, um, in the big world, you know, it's, it's one of these arts that you can eat. It, it can either make big or, or not, or you, or you don't even cover your costs. Um, so unless you're really good at networking, unless you're really good at, um, unless you're a really good businesswoman and you know how to get people to sponsor you or if you get advertisements, which I'm not good at. I'm not good at um, getting people to sponsor me. I'm not good at it. it, just isn't my thing. I'm too busy creating movies. I'm too busy being the creative part of what I do to, you know, I try to hire people to help me um, and it usually didn't work. Um, I did get a couple of advertisements, but not nearly enough, not nearly enough. So I say, um, if you want to do it as a hobby, it's a great idea, but it's good to have a steady income in combination with what you're doing. Right. Okay. Okay. So this is the question that I ask everybody. Um, what is something that you hope the next generation of women won't have to struggle with? That's a fantastic question. Well, generally, I feel like not the next generation of women. How about our generation of women also? Also, our generation of women shouldn't struggle with it and the next generation also not. Um, and I've said this 
before, you know, um, somebody just asked me a similar question. And basically, I said that women should be able to be comfortable in their skin being who they are without feeling a need to prove that they can do everything that men can. So as a religious woman, I believe that God gave women amazing, amazing qualities and things that make them serious superpowers. I mean, we are like super women, all of us women. Um, I think men have their strengths too. I just feel like um, not so much today, but once upon a time, it was this big pressure to prove, women felt like they needed to prove that they can do everything that men can do. Um, and that's a lot of pressure. That's very, very hard. It's also not natural. Um, as women, we're, we're primarily nurturers. We are, um, you know, givers a lot. We're, we're meant to, you know, that's how God made it. He made it for us to be mothers, to be wives, um, to be, you know, take care of the home. Now, of course, that brings us back to the stereotype of, is that all women should do? And the answer is absolutely not. Women should do whatever else they feel like they want to do, but not whatever else they feel like they have to prove that they can do. So that's the difference. I believe that there is no stereotype of what a woman needs to look like. No, she doesn't only have to stay in her house, have children and be a wife and a mother. Absolutely not. Because if her heart tells her that she wants to sing, dance, fly, act, and paint, she should do it. But not with a pressure of needing to prove that she can or that she can do everything because we can do everything that men can. Which it happens to be as, 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 uh, as, as a woman, I believe we can do almost everything that men can, but not, all, not everything. I feel like some things guys are just meant to do and we, we should just be comfortable in our skin as women and how God made us. So, but that's me speaking from a religious viewpoint where I believe that, you know, in Egypt, um, people were, we were punished. The Jews were punished in that, not punished the, um, the Egyptians had the women do men's jobs and the men do women's jobs. And it was demeaning and degrading and extremely hard. And it was breaking, breaking them. And why is that? And that's because naturally women were meant to do certain things and men were meant to do certain things. So I feel like I would love for our generation to just be happy in their skin being women. Let our women just be happy being women without the pressure of feeling like they need to prove that they can do everything that men can do. There, I think I've repeated myself. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I totally know what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. And where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? So they can find me on Instagram at Malky's Media, Malky's underscore media. They can find my movies on my distributor's website at niggunmusic.com, N-I-G-U-N music.com, um, where they can download my movies there. They're, you can have it as a rental. They can also have it uh, delivered if they want an actual DVD. They can have it delivered to their door. 
all Judaica stores and a lot of supermarkets in the Orthodox Jewish community sell my DVDs and my movies so you can watch them all there. Um, um, you get an, a, a great idea of what I do and how I do it by watching the behind the scenes as, you know, watching me in action as a director and seeing how I do what I do, sometimes unconventionally different than other movies are done, but we, we get it done and our movies are quite professional. And from what I'm being told, um, my movies are rated from, from the Orthodox Jewish women's genre of movies for women only mine are rated one of the top one of the top two so um that's you know that's that's a great accomplishment considering that you know we work with such a small budget and i didn't have major formal training etc so um i'd love your feedback if anybody watches anything that they enjoyed throw feedback at me um um, on my Instagram, or uh, you know, you can make comments on my my distributor site. That would be amazing. Yes, for sure, they definitely are the top, like top quality professionalism. So, thank you so much, Malky, for joining me tonight. This was so nice to get to know you and hear your story a little bit. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so flattered. I appreciate it. My pleasure. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K. And on our website, CarmelaCosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard. 